This is the Neutral Zone. Welcome to episode lucky number 13 of the Neutral Zone by Freeze the Puck Hockey. My name is Jesse. I am the Rangers admin. I go by the hashtag Cridesmere River. And this is Brett, the Panthers admin. I go by all Barkov, no bite. This is Ethan, the Stars admin, and I go by double penetration. This is Cass. I'm your Bruins admin, and I go by never-ending pasta. This is Sam Iel. I'm the Vegas admin, and I go by the hashtag hail to the cup. We've got some things to go over this week. We're only a couple of weeks away from puck drop on the season opener. So we're going to be breaking down each division over the next couple weeks, starting this week with the Pacific Division. Um, Yeah, but before we get into that, there's a couple other things we want to talk to you guys about. If you've been following our page pretty closely, you've been seeing this all-time starting six tournament going on and... You guys probably have already seen the results, but we're going to go over them, see if we have any opinions on who is there and maybe who should have been there. So I'm just going to go through, give you guys the lineup. So the greatest left winger, according to you guys' votes, was Alex Ovechkin. The greatest center was Wayne Gretzky, the Oilers version of Wayne Gretzky. For right wing, it was Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe. At left defense, it was Bobby Orr. At right hand of defense, it was Al McInnes, the Calgary Flames version of Al McInnes. Then finally, this one was really close, but for goalie, we have Dominic Hasek with the Sabres. So that is the all-time starting six. Which right off the bat, I just want to say, as someone who was in the comment section a lot, I know that many of you wanted to dissect what RHD or LHD, you know, well, he's left-handed, but he plays right-handed defense sometimes. Here's the deal, people. <laughs> LDRD. That's how it was. That's how it was set up from the get-go. I'm sorry, but I'm not. And that's why I made the adjustment halfway through making it LHD, trying to make it more specific. <laughs> Very picky people out they there. Were. You they were. Never... There someone had a problem with every single post, I'm telling you. <laughs> you are not going to be able to please everyone. Ever. But, um, as much as you'd like to try. <laughs> but um, overall, I would say that's probably, even if without tournament, tournament, that's probably around what most people would pick as their all-time starting six. I mean, uh, Ovechkin, Gretzky, and Howe. I mean, all-time great number one line. Uh, Ovechkin being the most recent player of those guys. Um, on defense, on right-handed defense, I feel like there's a lot of good left-handed defensemen out there that maybe you have thrown two left-handed defensemen like Bobby Orr or Nicholas Lidstrom. But I would say Al McKinnis, probably the best all-time right-handed defenseman. Kale McCarr's right-handed, so he might get up there soon, but still pretty early in his career. Goalie could have went anywhere because you got Marty Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, Dominic Hasek, a lot of dominant goalies that could have won, but I think the Dominator is a solid choice to come out on top at the end. Hasek number one, baby. Love him. I definitely, I don't disagree at all with the the starting forwards. There, The competition, there were times that it was there, uh, but it every time I always saw the posts, I was like, okay, yeah, that's going to be an easy winner for these three. Um, I I actually don't have any issue with any of the picks. So I'm just like, obviously this um, tournament was recent. Like it was done this year, but like, I'm surprised like someone with more recency bias didn't win for right wing, like uh, Patrick Kane or Yarmir Yager. Y- Yager was close. He, he was competing with him because he was, um, that, um, best right winger for the Eastern conference all time. That was very tight. Cause that was Yager, how Mike bossy, um, Oh man, one other guy who's really good. I'm not gonna have to pull it up. Gosh, brain suck. I will say while you're pulling that up, uh, the finalists for the goalie, right? Hasek and wah, um, it, 
it's that's a great example of how there were some of these matchups. You look at the games played. This is at least how I look at it. You look at the games played. Hasek's got 491. Waz got 478. So Hasek had more games to have, uh, you know, crappier time. And he kept it within just a few decimal points. Um, and so when you consider games played, I think maybe I just looked at games played a lot more than maybe other people did. But it's an easy win for Hasek. He played longer and pretty much put up the same results just slightly different but then you look at the awards and it's just like yeah he's the overwhelming yeah and and that's a a, another problem some people had with it but i had already committed to it but the the stats were team specific right so like had wall included his habs career in there would he have beat hasek but then you would have considered what if if it was hasek's whole career would have been different but it's all speculation um but here was that The fourth right winger that I was forgetting, Guy Lafleur, and he even beat a guy who could be up there with Maurice Richard. So, I mean, that right wing for the East, lots of talent there. There's over 2,500 goals scored on that that all-time top three line between Ovechkin, Gretzky, and Howe. 2,517 goals combined. Dang. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like if people are gonna pick pick a number one line, you could pick any three players all time. I think a lot of people would pick um, Ovechkin, Gretzky, Howe. That would probably be most people's pick off the top of their head. I do want to look up. I want to look up how many goals allowed the finalists. Oh my goodness! For goalie <laughs> allowed, and with my Google skills demonstrated last week, it's gonna be a while. I wouldn't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. No, well, Hasek's got uh, total goals allowed in his career was 1,572. And then uh, Patrick Waugh's not going to get it up to, what do you say it was, Jesse? 2,517. Oh, actually, it might be close. Oh, you're trying to see if they've scored more goals than Hasek and Waugh allowed. Uh, they, they did not. Or... So Wa had 2546 allowed. Hasek had 1572. Yeah, it wasn't close. Man, they basically stunk allowing so many goals. Wow. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, if you just look at goals allowed between those two goalies, Hasek's the clear winner. 1572 versus Wa's 2546. Or, yeah. Hasek was the most dominant goaltender for the least high scoring era of the NHL. Now you're just making me question what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. He didn't face scorers, well, Wa, so of course Wa, he didn't let Wa him Wa played goals. in two eras, right? So Wa played in the towards the tail end of those high-scoring 80s where everyone's putting up over 100 points. So like his numbers with the Habs are not as good as his numbers with the Avalanche because when he was with the Avalanche, that was in the late 90s and the early 2000s when scoring was down. So Wa kind of was in both eras. But he still was yeah. not as good. I would say he wasn't as good as Dominic Hasek during that era. For for me, I've always thought Brodeur was normally at the top in my brain. But that's because that's who I grew up seeing play. I didn't really get to see much of Hasek. And I didn't really see Watt till he was at the retiring stage of his career. So I've always seen Brodeur as the top. I feel like the way that Hasek stopped pucks was just so impressive. Like the way that he would be sprawling on his back with his legs in the air. Like spinning around. Like I always was... Really impressed by that. Not that any of those other goalies didn't have, you know, impressive saves or anything like that. It's just Hasek felt like it was a little bit more old school in a time when the NHL was changing. Yeah. I was always impressed by him. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the the top six tournament, which, by the way, Brett, great job. You were the guy behind the Thank whole thing. <laughs> and uh, a lot of work. What you guys don't know is Brett was working on this long 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 ago started in january so far ago that he couldn't even schedule the post it was that far out so props to you uh job well done and uh jesse what's our next topic the toronto maple leafs have extended head coach sheldon keith for two years he's going to be remaining uh the toronto maple leafs head coach and i'm not really too surprised by this, I kind of expected him to stay in Toronto. I would have been surprised if they had uh, let him go. They did just bring in new GM uh, Brad Trey Living. Um, 
I and typically a lot of new GMs would let the old head coach under the old regime go. I thought that I I feel like Sheldon Keefe has done a good job in Toronto despite all of the negative connotations that surround the Toronto Maple Leafs and the media pressure that they have over there. I think I feel like Keefe has done a really good job up there. I mean, he did get them to the second round. I mean, that was a step in the right direction, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And he, you know, he's brought the Maple Leafs to the Stanley Cup playoffs in each of the four seasons that he's coached previously. Um, he's got a really great team to work with. I'm a little concerned about how they're going to go moving forward after that huge signing of Austin Matthews. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think that he's going to do a good job up there for the next couple of years. So honestly, I think that it's going to be really important for that continuity. Much like Matthews staying right there with the Leafs, this continuity that they've had for the message that he brings to the locker room, it's going to be, I think, a piece of the puzzle for them to get further into, you know, what we all try to do, which is win the Stanley Cup. So their journey, I think, is going to benefit a lot from having that same voice in the locker room. Uh, because it looks like it, it really made uh, the difference here in in this year. Much like with us, with Cassidy, it's just sometimes you get someone in there that can speak to the people that need to hear it best. So I think that it's going to be a good thing that he stays put for one more year, or actually two. Yeah, and the the thing with the that's a that's a good point to bring up the continuity. But part of me, and I've said this so many times, and it's fine because I will say it again, and. <laughs> I feel like if they don't get it done this year, I think their window is going to be about closed. So I feel like if if they don't win it this year, there's no way that, ha- that it happens the following year because of all the contracts that are ending, all the big players that they're probably not going to be able to resign. I think that's the it for the window, and then Keith will probably be gone if if they don't get it done this year. I, I'm, I'm not in- talking about 2024, 2025 because I just don't see them – taking it home because they're going to lose somebody in this roster um, next offseason. Yeah, that that's essentially kind of my thought. It maybe sounds a little more pessimistic than the last two ideas pitched, but to me it's like, okay, we're, we are going to double down on everything we've done mm-hmm. and everyone involved is going to be tied to the ship and we're either going to go down together or win together. And here we go. They've put so much effort into this lineup. They've put so much money into their core. I feel like if they were going to let any of these players go now, it would kind of be like a spit in the face of everything that they've worked towards over these last couple seasons. I feel like they have no choice. Yeah, it's like, and the reason why I say that is mostly because, you know, they're going. They went all in by bringing both Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi on contracts they can't even afford, by the way. Um, so I don't know how they're going to manage that. There's going to be some other move that has to happen before they do their first game. But after this year, Nylander, like I, we've talked about it already quite a bit, so we don't have to get too de- into depth about it. But Nylander's going to need a new contract. They're still paying John Tervais and Mitchell Marner for two years and now you got Matthews making an additional 1.8 of what he's currently making. So if they, you could say they're going to give the money they're giving to Pertuzzi and Domi this year to Nylander, but they didn't have, like I like I said, they don't, they didn't have the money to sign them to begin with because they had to throw a bunch of people on LTR to make it work. So I, I don't, someone's going to have to go and well, and, and I do want to say, which that was a very unplanned segue which worked perfectly. I saw, and it's a rumor, but I did see an article today that came up saying, and you know, it was obviously clickbait. You know, there's a <laughs> there's an emerging team that's a trade destination for Nylander. So you're I entertained clickbait? it. Huh? You're you're <laughs> referencing clickbait. I mean, yeah, I I look at it. Just to see what it is, because we've talked about Nylander being one of the guys that it's like, are you going to keep him? Are you going to ditch him? And seeing that, hey, there might actually be a trade contender out there, it piqued my interest enough. Um, so, you know, congrats, clickbait. You got me. And it's interesting. Uh, the team in question is the Islanders. 
which Ew. makes sense because they need someone. Um, the interesting part of the whole thing would be the mock trade. And what it's basically suggesting is it would be William Nylander. And then to Toronto, it's going to be Jean Gabrielle Pago. Pagal? Pajot. That's how you say it. Pajot. Pajot. Is it Pajot? Pajot. 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 Uh, really? Twenty twenty four. in your stereotypical French accent on it. <laughs> uh, a 2024 first round pick and Danny Nelson. That would be... I mean, it looks like a lot. I think it's really that 2024 first round pick that would be the cost. Who in their right mind would do that? I can't see them trading Nylander unless they don't look like it depends where they're at at the deadline. I think they're going to be competing for a top spot in the, in the Atlantic though. So I think they're going to hang on to Nylander and potentially lose him for nothing. Um, unless they somehow, unless they trade uh, JT away, which that's who, if I was Toronto, I'd rather have William Nylander than John Tervais. To be honest. Oh, agreed. I agree, but who's going to take on Tavares' contract? I mean, Nylander's... The Islanders. At, oh, oh. <laughs> He's going back to New York. <laughs> Imagine that. That'd be hilarious. That would be crazy. People would dig into their fireplaces trying to get their jerseys back. Yes. Dude, they, they hate him there. I, they hate him there. He's going to have to change his bed sheet. That's nuts. Oh, they love him in Long Island. Your birthplace, right? I don't think anyone in Long Island loves anyone. I, <laughs> as, as someone from over that area, I can confirm. So before we keep continue to talk about Toronto, I feel like we've talked about Toronto quite a bit over the last couple episodes. After we avoided talking about them for the first several we did. So, But we're going to move on to our next topic. This one's a little bit um, different. It's not particularly particularly NHL news, but still hockey news. And it's very um, cool and upcoming stuff that's coming is it was announced. There will be a professional women's hockey league, which will be a combination of two previous leagues that were um, two previous women leagues, but they're joining forces just be one. And uh, Sam AL, you have a couple of notes about this that you want to tell us about. That's right. It's uh, really exciting. I think uh, not only for the sport, but for the women representing it, these women are the top talents, um, in my opinion, of, of the sport in their uh, respective areas. So um, I do see here that for the free agency period beginning at Friday, each of the league's six teams is going to have 10 days to sign three players. So they're basically just setting up so that the free agency period that ends in September 10th, all unsigned players will enter the draft, and then on September 18th, they're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, by January, each team is going to have six players signed to three-year packs, and this uh, initial period is uh, going to be uh, the start of it all because there's going to be more contracts coming in. So uh, the draft order, I see here that it's going to be for number one, uh, Minnesota, number two is going to belong to Toronto, number three is going to be Boston, number four is going to be New York, and number five is going to be Ottawa, closing out Montreal with number six. So it's an original six kind of deal. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, we're still kind of getting more information about it, but uh, really exciting names out there like Marie-Philip Poulin um, and Hillary Knight. So uh, Sarah Nurse, of course, and Kendall Coyne. So it's going to be really um, interesting to see how this develops. Uh, I, I hope the best for them. I really want to see it succeed. A quick question. I don't know if you have the answer for it, um, but you mentioned the draft in that order, which I didn't know about that. So that's cool. That news has already come out. But is it going to be like a serpentine draft like you see with fancy drafts, or is it going to be like that same one through six every time? Yeah, I do see that it is a snake draft on this uh, with the format. So that means Montreal, okay. after picking six in the first round, will we'll get select to pick seven too. second. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, they cannot uh, trade draft picks this year, but that might change moving forward. Where do they come up with the draft order? Do you know? Let's see. I don't believe that I have that information here, actually. Might have picked it out of the hat. I'm not too sure. I just want to say that the, the league is actually funded by uh, – Los Angeles Dodgers co-owner Mark Walter and yeah. his wife. So it's literally just like one set of 
husband and wife is literally putting this whole league on their back, which is pretty cool. I think the NHL wants to get involved as well. They previously did not get involved with the women's leagues, but that's because there were two competing ones. So they said they are more likely to support this single women's league. I mean, you see the NBA really um, pumps a lot, of, quite a bit of money into the WNBA. So hopefully the NHL helps out at least some. Obviously, it's great. It's being funded by um, the people that Cass had mentioned, but I think it'd be good for the NHL to openly endorse it as well. Minnesota's just such a random team. Like you got Boston, New York, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Mi- Minnesota East. is the state of hockey. Don't get me I know, started. But like you think it'd be like I know that, but like think about a league who's just trying to think about a league who's just trying to start. You're trying to cut cut down on travel costs. You think it'd be like a Philadelphia, like a Pittsburgh, somewhere close, so you're within four hours, eight hours of everyone. It's just kind of surprising. Minnesota is one of the six. That's all. The state of hockey with no cup. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to answer your question about the draft, it looks like they did a lottery, which happened yesterday. Ah, have, have they, they announced? An- oh, you might ask the question. <laughs> Do it. Have they announced when the season was going to start? No, nope. I thought it was January. I think I remember seeing it was going to start January twenty twenty four. That's what I have as well. Oh, so super soon. Sorry. So they're going to do, I have an article pulled up from ESPN to kind of talk that I looked over before we started recording. And so they're going to play 24 games um, starting starting in January 2024, but not all of those 24 games are going to be at their particular home stadiums. They're going to do several that are in neutral stadiums that will be actual like NHL arenas and other stuff. So that try to kind of grow the game. So I don't know how big the actual venues for these six teams are going to be, but since they're doing neutrals, that probably means they're not going to be huge. Um, so, but it'll be. I think that's a good way to kind of endorse it with the beginning is throwing it in some big arenas and trying to market it that way. But that's actually brilliant. Depending on, I don't know if there's a schedule out yet, but based on how not they yet. schedule it, if if they do a similar kind of schedule where you're playing multiple games a week that kind of thing, they could be lining themselves up to have their playoffs, which is when your big viewership needs to happen in the deadest month of hockey, which is February. Uh You're also going to have all-star break. You're going to have arenas empty. Uh, I mean, you do have to compete with some NBA arenas, but um, I think that's brilliant. Speaking about arenas, it actually says on this um, MSN, I don't know why I'm looking at MSN, but... um, says they're going to play in a variety of facilities from NHL size ranks to minor and junior league arenas. So I wonder how that's going to work. Like, I don't think like NHL size ranks and junior re- or ranks are the same size, right? So how's that going to work with, are they? It's just the building size then? Yeah, it's going to be the building size. The The ice dimensions are going to be the same unless you're getting into Olympic. Or like, yeah, like, like European. all the way down to high okay. school. Okay, yeah, or, or overseas. But, um, but the venue size itself is the thing. But you look at Arizona, I mean, they made it work. And they are an NHL team. Did they really make it work, though? <laughs> I, they, I mean, they played the whole season. <laughs> they, they, right, I they, mean, they, just they played just, all 82 just, games. About that. that doesn't mean it worked. They had some wins in the, in the ring, you know. <laughs> Their first but win. I think their first win in the Mold Arena was against the freaking Panthers. <laughs> 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 uh, I think the big thing also for this to be make or break, which I haven't found anything on, is how it will be viewed. Will it be oh, an ESPN? So there's, thing? there's, there's, it's going to be streamed. There's streaming is going to be the only option. Uh, it's not going to be on regular TV. I don't like that. I don't think that would be... I don't su- either. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be uh, successful for them. I guess we'll see how that... Do we know what type of streaming platform? Is it going to be an ESPN type, or is it going to be like a niche, like their own type of platform? What is that one? Because it Tubi? might not work. <laughs> Tubi is free. Yeah, Tubi is free. That's the thing. It might not work if it's a, a paid streaming service, but if it's something that's free and it's accessible to everyone, no matter the region... Then it, they might be onto something. So this is the one sentence that is in this article that made me say what I said. The league plans to stream each game digitally, 
but also hopes for linear television coverage. But that, that hopes for means it may not happen. So right now the plan is only to stream each game digitally. Well, and the, the streaming, like, yeah, if it's a free streaming service, that's obviously better than paid. But if you are considering tuning in to a game, because everyone who's going to be tuning in has probably never watched a game like this, you're downloading another app, and that's kind of the culture we live in. It's like, oh, download another app. And it hurts them, but hey, it might work out for their first season. They might get better traction with a TV deal for season two. Uh, but when comparing it, I, I heard someone, I don't remember who it was, talking about the WNBA. The WNBA, and I'm not going to like get super into the WNBA, but everyone as a whole just kind of agrees. Nobody likes to watch it. For whatever reason that is, whether it's just have you seen the highlights? No, I haven't. (laughs) They're lackluster. Well, yeah, and that's why I've never watched them, and probably most people haven't, and that's why they're not selling tickets. Yada yada yada. But what I will say about women's hockey is just from refing. I have refed teams here in this area that have had women players that played at Ohio State. Minnesota, uh, Boston College. I've seen some of these top-level collegiate athletes. Not like they're now 30 or 40 and they're playing beer league, but like they're home for the summer from college. And those girls can skate better and faster than some of the guys I've seen skating. And that's actually saying something. It's so entertaining to watch them because it's so high-paced. They do hit. They get super aggressive with each other. And I'm going to be watching some of these games. As long as I don't want to get hit. I don't want to get hit by any of the women in this hockey (laughs) league at all. You would be shocked that the men actually complain more than the women when it comes to officiating and stuff. Women are just like, get over it. That doesn't surprise me at all. Come on. That that doesn't really surprise (laughs) me. And I got to say, I've, seen the skill level for these type of athletes when i was living in canada i remember that for the olympics you know and, and for any type of national game like that there were bars opening at six in the morning to support these athletes and and awesome. get viewership up there and yeah in a national stage it's it's different right but it just gives you a glimpse into like the, the high level competition. I just I think that it's gonna be different than the WNBA in that sense because they like you said, the, the skill level is just completely different because it's it's at that the highest level of the sport in my opinion. These women are, are completely talented. I'm, I watched a couple of uh international games where it was uh the women nations competing and I mean, I was able to sit and watch it and enjoy it just like a regular NHL game. It didn't. I mean, there's still it's still um, the speed is still really high. You're still going to see some highlight reel goals because some of the women have uh, top skill stick skills. So I, I think people will enjoy it. Those as long as there's a like we said the main. I feel like the main concern that we've gotten out of this is how are we going to be able to watch these games? See so here's. An issue that I worry about too. Like I remember the Boston Pride; they were part of the um, the previous Women's Hockey League, uh, the Premier Hockey Federation. And I remember. I mean, I, I obviously I got the P Bruins right down the street from me, and it's like twenty five, thirty dollars a ticket. I remember the Women's League being like forty to forty five, and being like, I'd rather go down the street and pay for parking and watch the AHL than watch the women. It's not that I don't want to watch the women; it's just a cost thing. You know what I mean? It's I'd rather see up-and-coming Bruins or NHLers for cheaper. So it's going to be, I think, to get the people in the door, they're going to have to set the ticket prices right, too. That's a good point. And when it comes to ticket pricing and stuff, I would expect it to be a lot more reasonably close to what the NHL is, like the way they're going to do it. It's probably not going to be, I don't know. I, I would think like a lower-level team, would just kind of have their way with price gouging and stuff like that. I think if it's regulated, it's going to be fair. Um, but it, I'm honestly excited, especially the more we're talking about it, because it's just a completely different style of hockey too. 
And we're never going to get this whole debate of like, oh, well, sh- should we mix the leagues and let them play? Because the women's league, they will not want to play in the NHL. And NHLers won't want to play in the women's league. It's going to be two separate entities, two very different brands of hockey, both great. Um, I'm excited. All right. So previously we talked about breaking down different divisions in the NHL. And this week we're going to talk about the Pacific Division. Um, the hockey news a couple weeks ago released their 2023-2024 predictions, and I'm going to break down and talk about how they see the Pacific Division lining up standings-wise, 1 through 8. Um, first place they have the Edmonton Oilers, second place they have the Vegas Golden Knights, third place they have the Los Angeles Kings. Fourth place, they have the Calgary Flames. Wow, they're doing the Kraken dirty. Fifth place, they have the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> Boo. Sixth place, they have the Vancouver Canucks. Seventh place, they have the Anaheim Ducks. And eighth place, they have the San Jose Sharks. I'm surprised they think Calgary's done anything to improve where they were at last year. That's the most crazy thing to me out of what you just stated. What's Calgary done to prove that they're going to do any more than they did last year? Uh, well, well, wait. Before we get into those opinions, let me read you the list that I see. Okay. Here's a list that I see. It's it better Edmonton have, Oilers. Better have Seattle <laughs> in the playoffs. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. Edmonton. So the way this one's broken down is more like a playoff scenario but i'll still get through the whole pacific um so pacific division leaders seed one two and three it's going to be edmonton oilers vegas golden knights la kings then you've got the first wild card spot going to seattle and the second wild card spot going to calgary <laughs> from there you've got vancouver canucks uh san jose sharks and anaheim ducks i don't know what what People are, uh, and they can keep being high on the Flames, just like how they were high on Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, and they continue to let them down. It is insane. People are putting Calgary up there. They're not going to. I mean, we've talked about how much of a dumpster fire they're they are. not good. It's just, I don't know what, what are people thinking? I, I think, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I really do. I think the new coaching well, change you're wrong. is going to make a difference. <laughs> I think the coaching change is going to make a difference, and I think they're going to be a better team than what we saw last year. I really they are not. I got to say that what makes me laugh is the fact that throughout the playoffs and still to this day, the Vegas Golden Knights are still seen as second to the Edmonton Oilers. And it's, it's funny. It's just funny to me. You know, uh, we retained more than 90% of our roster or our Stanley Cup winning roster. And... <laughs> It's still kind of like, well, guess what? Got to prove ourselves again at another year, you know, and that's fine by us. It's whatever, but it's just one of those things, you know, you see and. Well, and, and I completely, I, I get where you're coming from, albeit not with the Stanley Cup being last year. And I know we're not getting into the central, but I feel the same about the Dallas Stars. This segment's brought to you by Tyson, who loves Dallas Stars <laughs> references. And Mike Bodano. <laughs> uh, the Dallas Stars are always looked at as second to the Colorado Avalanche. Even when the Dallas Stars have been better than the Avalanche in the years prior. And it really just comes down to, like, look at the, the national broadcast schedule. Who are the top two teams? The Oilers and the Avs. You know, I was thinking back to what um, Samuel was talking about, and I think, like he said, he's fine with them being. You don't. Have, I feel like you don't have to worry where they're seeing you in the regular season, right? Because with if Vegas do does what they did in the playoffs again, it, it's going to be no competition. They they just ran away with it, really, making every other team look much weaker. So even if the regular season, I mean, for them, they're not as worried about the regular season. I mean, they're one of those teams that has guys on LTIR. Um, and then brings them in for the playoffs because they know that's when it matters, right? As long as long as you get in, you, you, you know that's what you need to do. And Cass will probably back me up on this, but from being in that seat with my team, it's I I prefer going in as an underdog 
that people count out and then just proving people wrong rather than going in being the president's trophy winner and the first team you're facing and every team thereafter if you make it past round one is they are keying in on your matchup whereas if you're like an underrated team going into the playoffs hey oh absolutely teams think they can roll over you and they can't i don't disagree with that i like the idea of you know because then if you are the president trophy winner then you have all of the media attention you have all of these expectations and all that you have all of that pressure exactly one of the things that i kind of am upset about especially with how like some of these sites are continuing to view seattle is that they, they they sleep they they were sleeping on them all playoffs last season they it seems like to me that they're continuing to doubt them and it just doesn't make any sense to me given i feel like last season they proved themselves as to what they can be um you know i i think that they did they, they surpassed everyone's expectations myself included i don't understand how you could how we could have a website out there that's putting them out of the playoffs again. I feel like they've made better improvements. Especially with Cal- Calgary taking their place. That's, That's It's an atrocity. That's an atrocity. I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm pissed off about that. The Hockey News has both Calgary and Seattle getting in as wild cards. But so same they're, for mine. They're, take, they're picking three, only three people from the Central. Correct. Gotcha. But, but okay. Jesse, I got to say, in what I've read... The, the issue that I guess these sites and, and pundits are having with Seattle is that they're looking at like the names that are going out versus coming in. And they think that the Kraken have gotten worse through the roster. They're looking at, you know, lineups with like Sprung, Geeky, Donato, Lessamer. And it's just they're thinking about that roster. Now, like you, I, I wouldn't mind Seattle proving them wrong because I think that you guys got this stuff, and you guys got that playoff experience this year as well. That's that's going to get you guys through to any type of situation because you guys have been there now. And that's that type of experience is really valuable to get back there again. Do you think that the roster turnover has anything to do with that situation? Do you think that it made you guys weaker, or do you think that it's it's still you know a good roster for you guys to reach it? I, I think it's a great roster. I liked the addition of Brian Dumoulin. I like the addition of Kyler Yamamoto, uh, even though he is a Spokane chief in the WHL, which sucks. But um, and you get should get Shane Wright, too. Shane Wright should probably make more of an impact this you year. You guys got Belmar, too, right? Yeah, we, we they picked up Pierre-Edward Belmar. Shane Wright, should, uh, as Brett said, should be uh, inserted into the lineup. I don't see them taking a step back. Uh, this offseason. I think they're, they're taking a step forward. Um, the Veneer should be even better. Yeah. Uh, the, the one concern, as everyone has had, is goaltending. Um, it's... It, What's his name? Grubauer is still going to be, you know, the number one starter. There's questions as to who's going to be backing him up. It it seems like it's going to be Decord. Um, that's the one... That's the one piece that the Kraken have up in the air. But I don't think that the roster overall has has taken any steps backwards. I, I just now yeah, I will say for for my list from from this article, it does seem like they are looking at the future roster, not accounting for potential lot. Like this was written before roster moves were made. Um, oh. These are based on just odds. Uh, I don't know what odds book. I cannot find that, but. The way this is also broken down is the odds for points. So I will also say the Seattle Kraken Calgary Flames difference, their projected points is over under 95.5. Not going to happen. Both teams. <laughs> Both teams are the same. Calgary Calgary got 93 last year. They're not going to do better than that. They're not. I, I would like, I'd, I'd see Vancouver finishing above Calgary. <laughs> I'll take that $20 bet. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. Yeah, I will also take that bet. Um, I okay. will also <laughs> say to to to, <laughs> to Jesse's Brent's point about the bed. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> I, I will make my bold statements, but I will not put any money on it. <laughs> Jet to Jesse's point about Seattle's getting overlooked over and over and over again. 
let's look at it from take yourself out. I know you're like your number one team is Seattle, Jesse. And I hate you so much. Just take <laughs> take away your bias for a second. Okay. First season. You're you automatically, whether you like it or not, you will be compared to the Vegas Golden Knights first season because Agreed. of how close those two things happened. You fell miserably below the standard. Then you go into your second season. Was Seattle better in their second season? Absolutely. Just I'm talking regular season. Much better. But they needed a huge push towards the end to get past the finish line. It's not like they were just dominant and they were playoff gimmies from the get-go. They had to find themselves, and they did a great job doing that. Then you get to the playoffs. Your resume is essentially you beat the Colorado Avalanche. And that's not an easy feat, but is that just enough to say, okay, even though we barely made it to the playoffs because of a good late push, is that enough to say, hey, we are a serious contender already? I don't think so, but that doesn't mean that you can't be. I wouldn't say they're a serious contender, but I would put them back in the playoffs. I, don't, I, I would be they've, shocked if they, they compete for a cup. They've got people that have the experience on that team. There's multiple players on that team on this roster that have won Stanley Cups. They've, there's people who have been there. The, the, Panthers tried to, the Panthers tried to do that in the 2010s era. They brought in like a bunch of people from the Chicago Blackhawks rosters, and that didn't really do anything for them. So that's not always as helpful as same for the stars. Well, my my point about that is that these these are players that were picked up in the expansion draft. These aren't people that they're they're just picking up off of waivers or off trades or signings. You know, these are players that they started with that have this experience, and now they're all starting to culminate together and mesh well a little bit together and actually be a team to the point where they should be able to to play better. I don't, I'm not saying that they're going to win the cup. I don't think that that's going to happen. You know, I, I think that if anything, it's going to be another second round exit. Um, but I just don't like the way that it's being perceived in the media. It's perceived in even our own comment sections. The, the, the comments that, you know, I get as the, the Kraken admin is, Oh, I don't know anything about hockey and this team is garbage. And it's like, but did, they made it to the second round of the playoffs, and where was your team last year? Probably. But, no but here's the thing: you're, wait, wait, you're real always quick, real quick, Ethan. <laughs> so, so Jesse, you just said as the Kraken admin, but <laughs> you might want to clarify some things there because you introduced yourself as the Rangers admin. Up to you. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so my secondary team is Seattle, and um, you know, being that I am over here, I live in Seattle now. I have seen. This team start from the beginning, from its infant stages. So I am also the Seattle admin, uh, going by the hashtag Kraken a cold one, which is what I've been using since the beginning. There it is. The reveal. Yeah, finally. (laughs) It's happened. Um, I I, I was just going to respond in that, like, in both my list and the list cast red, both lists have the Kraken going into the playoffs. Now, I don't think it's so much that the Kraken are being underrated on Cass's list where they have Calgary being above Seattle. I think that's just Calgary getting way too much overhype. But do you actually see Seattle being in the top three of the Pacific? Hot take. I don't see them making the playoffs. Sorry, Jesse. You also saw Calgary. It wouldn't be shocking. I see Calgary and Nashville (laughs) making it, and I don't see Seattle making it. Calgary's not getting in. I'm telling you right now. Brett, well, you, you would have said... I think Vancouver gets in before Calgary does. Brett, you would have said Florida wasn't going to make the finals either probably last year, right? <laughs> so, I think it's going to be a points race. I, I can see Nashville making it. I don't think Calgary's going to do it. I think it's going to be... I think Seattle was going to be the wild card team in the Pacific. I mean, you look at Calgary. They were seven points out of the, the, the wild card. Yeah, so, but they got worse. Hold on. Uh, uh, I don't know. But they haven't done anything. Hold on, let me finish here. No overtime. Their record last year in overtime was five and twelve. There's twelve points left on the table. Their shootout record was two and five. That's five points left on the table. That's seventeen points right there. Not saying they're going to they win. Haven't done anything to improve. Them. Not saying they're going to. I think coaching. They changed their coaching around. Mm-hmm. Just like New York Rangers. I know the New York Rangers went to Game Seven in, in 
the uh, playoffs last year, but I think they're going to do a lot better this year too. Sometimes, Brett, you would know better than anyone else, especially with the Florida Panthers last year. A new voice works wonders in that room. They have Mark Savard. He's a power play savant when it comes to the NHL and the OHL, OHL level. I know they lost Tyler Toffoli. They brought in Sarangovich, who has, just like Pavel Zaka, he underperformed in New Jersey. You're going to get someone with a new atmosphere, a new environment who's going to thrive. They um, they didn't add too many people. They lost Toffoli. They lost Luchik, whatever. They lost Trevor Lewis, and they lost Michael Stone. Like, they didn't lose any of the key cogs. I think Lindholm, I think Na- uh, Nazem Kadri down the middle, I think that's a good one-two punch. You know, the There's, defense the, isn't that bad either. And I think so Markstrom's going to have a great year. I have, I'll just reveal my slight bias against Calgary, and it's because of the Kachuk trade. So I have this desire for Huberto and Uyghur and the Flames to continue to fail. There it is. I got it out <laughs> and, of them. And I, I can't. But you, but <laughs> well, you that like it. Petty. You like the trade. Because they both wear red. <laughs> I love the trade, but I, I want to make sure that they continue to falter. And that's the thing with players for the Panthers that are like our top players. They go to other teams and they are not good. Like you can, the only person I can think at all that kind of goes against the grain of that is Vincent Trocek. But even for us, he was like a third line center, so we were underutilizing him. So I, I don't. That's why I don't really count him. But like David Booth was our top-scoring winger in the 2000s after Ooh. Jokinen left. David Booth. <laughs> so he gets traded to Vancouver and just never makes the NHL team. Steven Weiss, number one center for the Panthers all through the late 2000s and 2010s, gets traded to Detroit, can't make the roster, stuck in the AHL. So a lot of times, and Huberto's not going to get that bad, but there, he had put up a horrible record. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw it where it was the largest point regression from one season to another when he went from Florida to Calgary. So it's just that continuation. Top players for Florida do not do well once they move. If Tyson ever gives me crap about talking about the stars too much, (laughs) I am pointing right at Brett. (laughs) I do want to, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second and hop on Cass's bandwagon. Of course. Here, here's the one thing we can't account for. We, we can look at their last season. It was awful. We've trashed talked them for quite a while. But we don't know what changes they're going to make this season. And if you look from a statistic standpoint, in 2021-2022, obviously you had Johnny Hockey and you lost him the following season. But they were top of the Pacific that season. Last season, they clearly had some figuring out to do without him on their team, but barely missed the playoffs. You could average out the two seasons and say if they make the right change, like strategic changes, just how they're going to play their game, stick to it, have a really hot opening three months, hey, they're making the playoffs. Do you think that their goaltending is going to be able to bounce back? I think their goaltending is better than Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) If they can score, which that's kind of the other thing. They need to score more goals because like we've talked about for the West the past few episodes, the West is, you know, they've got some scorers. If you're competing, especially with Edmonton, you've got to score a lot. So I think it's more about scoring more than keeping pucks out. I just think... So we've talked quite a bit. I was going to say, I just think... You make your point. Seattle's goaltending is going to be their crux this coming season. I mean... But Seattle could score goals. We saw that last year. They can, but goals can dry up just like goalies can get hot. I don't see their offense being nearly as good as it was last year. And I think Markstrom is going to have a, a bounce-back year, like a huge bounce-back year. Not quite Desna Caliper, but I think a new coach... A new he needs thing. it. He's gonna. He has to. Like he's getting paid six mil. The guy has to put up or shut up at this point, and he's gonna do that. So, I'm not shocked if the Kraken make the playoffs. I'm also not shocked if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, That's what I, I would say they're like a middling me. team. Like Jesse going into the beginning of the season last year, did you think Seattle was gonna make the playoffs? Yes or no? No. So no, they already overperformed I... last year for you. <clears throat> so going into this year, you're saying what round two? Uh, going into this year, I think they are going to. I'd be disappointed if they don't. 
Sorry to disappoint. Is that what you're asking? I'm sorry to disappoint you. That's all. <laughs> Let, let's talk next year. Let's talk this time next year about how the <laughs> Bruins did versus the Kraken. Oh, I will love to. What, what, what day is it? It's, it's September second. Jesse, 2nd, Jesse, you don't have to wait. Let's get I got to an it. idea. Right, right now. Jesse, you don't have to wait till next season. You made it to round two. Hold on. He didn't make it to round Who's two. Who's you on? Shut <laughs> up. At ten, <laughs> go to Hellcast. At ten o'clock at night, I will wager you twenty dollars that the Bruins go farther next season than the Seattle Kraken. I'll take that bet. There we go. Virtual handshake. Done. Wait, are we talking about 2023-2024? Yes. Uh, I think Jesse's bet's better. I'll take this bet. There we go. Done. Hey, things are getting feisty here today. (laughs) But There's money on the line now. Yes. Well, since we're getting into betting, what a great way to kind of end the podcast with a nice little segue. Well, we've got him here. We've got our Vegas Golden Knights admin, Samael. And what are your expectations for the Knights this upcoming season? I mean, you just won the cup. Are you expecting a repeat? Are you expecting a digression? Like, just what are your expectations? Honestly, I think that the team, like I mentioned earlier, it's uh, the return of the team is pretty good. It's over 90%. We have been able to keep most of our Stanley Cup winning roster by itself. I think the goaltending got better. Um, nothing against Brassois. But again, that's going to be very, very um, dependent on whether everyone can stay healthy. I know we all say this about our teams before the season starts. Um, but I think that what made the difference a lot was that the team was getting healthy at the right time for the Stanley Cup. And I know, you know, the jokes about you know, long-term injury reserve, but not even that. The team was getting healthier as the playoffs progressed, players that were playing every day. So in terms of this, my expectations are that we will contend for the Stanley Cup. We will go through for that reaping. And I think that we have a really good chance at going back-to-back like the Penguins did. Time will tell. uh, Health will tell. We'll have to see with all that. Um, (laughs) One last thing I want to do on every podcast. (laughs) Quick yes or no. We're talking about Pacific Division. Patrick Marlowe, yes or no, Hall of Fame. Everyone go. Yes. No. No. Yes. Yes. All right. There we go. Oh, maybe just because of his game streak. That's not worth it. That's the deciding factor for me. I don't think that's enough. I think he's in. Anyway, let's uh, close this out. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, My name is Jesse. This was Brett. This was Ethan. This is Cass. This was Samael. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. Freeze the ball. Music for this episode was written, recorded, and performed by Robbie Padavano at Robbie Padavano on Instagram. 